Good morning. So I'm very honored to be here today. When Norton called me, I was like, really? So I was excited about this to get to share in the word with you guys today. But I wanted you to get to know me. I know there's a lot of new people, and I'm not always around because of my job. So just a little insight to who I am with some pictures. Um, I love to travel. So that's a trip I went to London and Ireland. Um, And then my dog, Freckles, is the tan one. The other one is my friend's dog, Cooper, but we love hiking together. And I love to go camping, hiking, anything outdoors, really. So if you want to do that, I'm gamed. Um, The middle one is I'm actually becoming a retired professional referee. So that's the picture that was taken last year, I think. But um, so that's my side gig. So football world, anybody in soccer? I love that. So, um, and then my cousins. That's just some of my cousins. Um, family is really important to me. Friends, um, they're very dear to my life and world. Some of my cousins actually came to the 8:30 service. Who don't go to this church? Just, just how connected we are. So, family's special to me, and I'm blessed that I have family that think the same way. So, just a little side, little into my life and whatnot. And like Scott said, I'm on staff with American Baptist Churches, and I graduated from Denver Seminary in May 2020. So that's just another side, just to get to know me a little bit more. So, um, but today we're continuing our theme of reforesting our faith and what trees teach us about God, ourselves, and the world. This was dear and dear to my heart when Norton called and said this was the theme as well. And then he sent me a book, which is not a surprise if you know Norton. So um, I had a book that I read parts of. I did not read it all because I didn't have time. But um, it was really insightful and things. And I love this theme because of the outdoors and wilderness, how I love to connect that to faith and journey with others. And so getting to be part of this series is pretty cool. Um, in my mind. So hopefully you guys get a little tidbit today um, from John 15 is where we're going to be going into. Um, But I'm going to start with a little imagery for you all to think of someone in your life that it's hard to love. Is it a colleague, a coworker, a family member, um, someone you have a difference of opinion with, which we probably all have right now because of all the discussions that are happening, and how can you love that person? And I want you to carry that person through this, this message and think about maybe tidbits of something you can do with them or walk with them in a different way than you have, maybe, or maybe continue to do because you're already doing it. So that's my hope today. So think of that person or two as we continue in this series. Um, but I always think love is seen and not smoking, spoken. I think our love that is seen by others is the key to the door to open their lives to us. And to start off, before I came to Denver Seminary, I was a case manager for teenage mothers back home in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Crazy job, huge learning curve, and I, because I'm not a mom, I'm not a teen, and I'm not a Native American, which most of the girls were Native American, so all these things, I was like, I have no commonality with these things, but I got hired somehow, and I asked my, my boss, Like, how am I supposed to even walk with them? And she always told us, let the Lord be seen in you. And I've carried that on. That's one of my favorite quotes I've ever had or been told. And it's not an easy job by any means. But she said, the key to that is finding common ground. 
I'm not a, I wasn't a teen, I'm not a mom, I don't know any of those things, never had a birth class, had to do that with them. It opens your eyes, I mean, when you go to your first one, so. <laughs> um, but I did it like six times with six different girls, and so all those things to say, we were very different, but when I found out, oh, I can relate to them. My brother was in juvenile jail when I was in high school. They all had someone in jail or prison or juvenile or them themselves were in jail, and now they're with us. Um, their father or mother, many of them had lost one or the other. I walked in that path too and feel, felt abandoned by people. I think we all feel lonely or abandoned at different points, and they felt that way because they're alone in this residential home, no family. We're their family, so how do we walk with them in that? They had lots of pain, loss of their childhood, they were grieving, and loss of relationships, loss of family. I think we all can relate to those things in different ways, one of those. It was a hard job, but I learned a lot. And my prayer every morning became the quote my, my supervisor. And I changed it. I said, let the girls see you and me today. That's all he said on my little five-minute drive to work because I lived in a Sioux Falls, which is not Denver. So it's very small <laughs> compared to here. Um, but that was my prayer. That's all I wanted. Lord, be seen in me today by them. And it was not a long thing. We don't have to take hours to be with the Lord to abide in him. It can be little moments like that. So today we're going to dive into the passage of John 15. And it's about the vine and the branches. I bet a lot of us who have grew up in church know this. If you didn't grow up in church, stay with me. Hopefully you get a little tidbit today <laughs> of what that is and what it means to be a disciple and love others. So John 15, 1 through 17, the first eight verses, we learn about our relationship with Jesus from the vine and the branches analogy. And then the second half is our depiction of our relationship we should have towards one another because of our relationship with Christ. So there's a two and today, um, two pieces that we're going to learn about. And the first three verses is, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. This is a reference to two kinds of prunings practiced in ancient times. In the early spring, the caretaker of the vineyard would cut away the dead wood, so this is what this picture is, unable to bear fruit. Then later in the year, when the blossoms had become ripening grapes, the little shoots got clipped away. So this is a picture of what the pruning looks like afterwards. All bare down to the vine and the little shoots and branches that are left that are us. And then it starts to blossom and continues to grow. Yeah, Australia. I love Australia. I was there. <laughs> Another travel story, but um, the Huntington Valley was gorgeous. Um, this is a picture I got from my friends because I was there when it was dead season, so the vines didn't have bushes and things. They didn't look as pretty as this picture. And so, yeah. But the gardener prunes, and he cuts off the branches, the dead ones, which is rejuvenating for the rest of the plant. 
is just down to little stubs. It's not that it's dead. But the more important part is the second version of pruning is cutting away the branches that aren't fruit-bearing, which is the second form of the pruning in that passage, which is hard because we probably are scared that we're going to be that branch, that we're going to be cut away. But if you abide in him, that's not you. But that's a picture of how intricate the God, the gardener, is in our lives. He's the caretaker. He wants us to blossom, so he cuts away the ones that aren't walking with him and abiding in him, which is so intricate. And he's our protector and our provider. The gardener is the waterer of the vines. He walks with us and abide, remains in us as long as we remain in him. Jesus is the vine. We are the shoots. And that's where the next passage is going to go. Our main role is to remain connected to the vine. So in this John 15, 4 through 7, we have one word that shows up multiple times. Remain. So we're going to read it. It's seven times in this section, but it's ten times overall in the whole passage. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am, in, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Remain, remain, remain. So Norton might be a little proud of this, but this word is, the Greek word is menu. And he always does this a lot. He loves this just as much as I do. So, um, But the other synonyms that you would see in this remain is abiding, continue, dwell, to stay, to endure, be present. stand, carry. That word, remain, is broader than what maybe we think about. Because I think remain, you, it's like a, you sit and you're present. But abiding ensues an action. So we're not just supposed to sit, but we're supposed to abide and do. It's more than what it pictures in my mind when I think of remain. I don't always think of abiding or going and doing but it also means to stay and be present. Jesus setting the stage of indwelling in him. And those who will remain in him will abide in him. Those that go hand in hand. When you take that five moments in your day to say, let, the, let you be seen in me. And yeah, we, we might hear this a lot. Love is seen in you, like verse 8, when you abide in him. But what does that actually look like? I think we hear, love others, love God. Yes, we're supposed to do those things. But the simplicity of what does that look like? And I'm going back to the, my teenage mothers because they were dear in my heart and still are. But I think the picture that this paints is something so simple that I didn't think about until I started writing sermons. <laughs> but going... As a case manager, so I became a case manager like three months in, so I had the privilege of walking with them one-on-one. -on -one. 
So when you're the case manager, you have to meet with each teen in the home for an hour a minimum every week. And I was their guardian. So I was 24. I wasn't old. So when I took them places, they're like, who's supposed to sign for you? The one that looks the same age as them. So, <laughs> But I got to walk with them in their highs and lows. And Justice, one of the girls, I remember her the trust and respect I got from her over time. It wasn't a flip of the switch. Some relationships are really hard and take time. But she came in one day because she just plops on the couch in my office all the time. It wasn't even her time to come. So, um, But she plopped in and said, why are you different? And I was like, what do you mean? Tell me more. Because that's a good phrase to use when you don't know what to say. <laughs> and so she explained further, you never blow up at us. We might be treating you like dirt crap, but you just stand there. And I was like, you think it would be better if I yelled at you? Would that be helpful? And she said, well, no, it made me more pissed, so I would do more things. And I was like, clearly, yes. <laughs> but just the presence of not reacting and listening instead to them allowed her to see and me get to share why that was. So then we continued in the conversation of, the, I, I got to share about the Lord and Jesus in my life, and that's what I'm hoping you see in me, is his love. And she said, well, that's accurate. And so the conversation continued over time and it wasn't because I said it before in the house. It wasn't because I was this miraculous person who knew all the right things to say. It was because I was present. I listened, not to be understood, but to understand her and to love her where she was at. And it was at a dark place. But over time, her heart opened and became loving, and her presence totally switched. And it wasn't just because of me, because... Our staff motto was that way, but some of them are just harder. It's hard to be peaceful when somebody's yelling and swearing at you. It's not easy. <laughs> but when I was able to do that and do it consistently, that's what it means to remain in him and be seen, him be seen in you. And it wasn't even words. And this passage continues in verses 9 through 12 about the triad love is what I called it. The love of the Father has for his Son is the same the love the Son has for his disciples, us. Therefore, this is the love we share with others. We are called to love our God and love our neighbor, or others, you could put in that. We aren't able to love well unless we're abiding in Christ. And in verse 11, it ends with, joy may be complete. This joy is not this, like, we're perfect. It's the process of abiding in him and his love. That's what makes it complete. The unbroken communion we have with him, if we allow him to lead our lives. And in verse 12, the famous command that we hear in lots of places, love each other, as I have loved you. We hear that over and over in the Gospels. Throughout the whole Bible, that's like a huge theme. But what makes this passage, I think, special and even deeper is the word here for love is agapo, 
or agape, which is God's love. It's never ending, never lacking, continual. That's the kind of love we're supposed to have for others. Not like, I'm going to love you now, but not over here because I disagree with you or I don't understand you or I'm mad at you. doesn't matter if you're mad. Love still should come through because it's never ending. To be his disciples is to show his love. And the more intimate our friendship with Jesus, the greater our love for one another. The more intimate our friendship with Jesus, the greater our love for one another. This passage is the first time in, the gospel, in John the Gospel, Jesus transitions from servants to friendship with his disciples. In verses 13 through 16, he, he states, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his, one's life for his friends. You are my friends, that's us in this room, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Do everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. The servant's responsibility is to obey without questioning, not knowing the purpose, maybe, not knowing the outcome. But he doesn't, no longer calls his disciples servants, but friends. Now the disciples are able to share in his Father's love completely. They are able to understand his purpose in his coming and what he's going to be doing in the near future later in the Gospel of John. Bearing fruit is related to the responsibility of the disciples to go. That's us in this room. If we have his love, we are to abide in that and bear fruit. Asking the Father is one of great importance because it shows that a person in asking for his Father's guidance his hand, and his love to be seen. Therefore, the more intimate our friendship with Jesus, the greater our love for one another. And people might think, how do I do that? How am I supposed to love another person who's the person that you thought of at the beginning, whoever that person is? What are some things you can do? It's easy to say it. But another thing to walk in it and do that. Like I said at the beginning, I I am a professional referee for the next like two months, but then I'll be retired. (laughs) Um, And in that line of work is very opposite of this community but also the same as this community in a sense of we're there for one another, we're a team, we build each other up, that's the same. But the trust and respect you get from one another is harder for me there because they knew I was going to seminary when I became a professional referee, like, what do you do? I go to seminary. (laughs) It wasn't the greatest starter of conversation, (laughs) but to open my heart to them was to not 
be like them, but also be with them, if that makes sense. And my friends, Laura and Drea, they're a partnership, and they moved to Denver like three years ago now. And at first when they heard of me, they're like, oh, she's this Christian goody-goody who isn't going to like us because we're living a lifestyle she wouldn't live, or they thought I would judge them or fill in the blank. But when I reached out to them and said, hey, let's go to dinner and just hang out, because me and Laura had a lot of travel games coming up, and we needed that trust. Because if without trust as a referee, the game is not going to go well, because you're a team, and if you're not in sync, it's not a great. <laughs> um, but my prayer when I went to go see them was the same as my boss taught us. May they see you and me in this conversation. I wanted them to see love. Not that I'm judging them, not that I'm different than them. We are the same, we're referees, we love community, we love each other, those were all the same. And Laura said on a plane ride later, probably like three months later, you're the first Christian I know who I think should, like what a Christian should be like. And that made me very sad because she's met lots of people in her life that aren't what we are called to do, which is to love. And that broke my heart because I heard that not just from her, but multiple of my referee friends. And having them meet so many Christians that just disregard them because of something they don't agree with isn't what we're called to do. We're called to abide in Christ and love others. And that may be hard, it's not supposed to be easy. But what I did is what we could do, is always asking the Lord to be seen when I go into a conversation that's gonna be hard because if I don't do that, I'm probably not, I'm not as peaceful sometimes. <laughs> it's not easy. Listen to others, so always seek understanding, not be understood. You don't need to be the person that knows all in the conversation. You just need to be present. And that's the last one. Be present with others when others are not. So think of that person you've been thinking of this whole time. How can you listen to them and be present when others are not? What does that look like? I'm not going to answer that question because it's all over the board probably. But as you go today, how can the Lord see others in you? Pray with me. Lord, just thank you for this time um, to explore your word together, to see you in our lives. Lord, may others see you in us as we go today. Amen.